Welcome to Wild on Health, your weekly holistic prescription for living healthy naturally. Lifespan, that's simply the time you'll clock on this planet. Whereas health span, however, is the time you'll spend living your life in optimal mental and physical health. Join me on Seeking Health Span, a podcast loaded with sensible recommendations and tips intended to put quality years on your life. The eyes are an extension of the brain and what some revere as a window into the soul. As you age, it's normal to notice a few changes in your vision. Some common ones for older adults may include losing the ability to see up close, having trouble distinguishing colors such as blue from black, and needing more time to adjust to changing levels of light. But to keep good vision and eye health into late age is possible if you take care of your peepers. Dr. Joshua Malley is a board-certified ophthalmologist and award-winning retinal specialist in private practice in Sarasota, Florida, as an attending physician at Manatee Memorial Hospital, where he performs retinal surgeries. He also serves as the medical director for the Macular Degeneration Association, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating and empowering age-related macular degeneration patients. Dr. Malley has also published research in esteemed medical publications, including JAMA Ophthalmology, is a regular contributing author for Ophthalmology Times, and serves as the editorial advisor board for Ocular Surgery News. Doc, welcome to Wild on Health Seeking Healthspan. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So let's start by giving folks a brief overview of eye anatomy, sort of a, an anatomy 101, if you will. In front of me here, for anyone joining us on uh, YouTube today, I've actually got an eyeball uh, in your honor here. So if we could just get, so a lot of people don't necessarily, you know, have a high regard uh, for their eyes. When you talk about this sort of eyeball being an extension of their brain, uh, that might wake some folks up. Oh, yes, Bryce. It, it literally is. And I, I think it's really important to make sure everybody's on the same page in regards to eye anatomy, because I think once you understand that, I think all these kind of diseases of the eye, they all make sense, okay? And yeah. I mean, the easy way, easy way to think about it based on your model there is basically this think of the eye as three basic parts, the, the kind of front part of the eye, the middle part of the eye, and the back part of the eye. So in the front part of the eye, we have something called the cornea, which is kind of the front clear uh, tissue kind of in front of the eye that light initially goes through. Um, once it goes through that, then it goes through the pupil, which everybody knows the, what the pupil is, the opening in the iris that is the circular part in the eye. And then in the middle part of the eye, we have the lens, which is, think of it like a lens of a camera, and it helps to focus light uh, back to your retina. So the lens is, is really a, also a very important part. And then finally, in the, in the back part of the eye, uh, we have uh, kind of a, a very, um, you can think of it like wallpaper on the back wall of your eye. You have a very sensitive, and again, like you said, it's like it's like brain tissue, um, where it lines the back lining of the eye, and that's called the retina, which is, you know, quite like the film of the camera, and so that's probably one of the most important structures for image processing that we that we have. And then that information goes to the optic nerve, which is, as you mentioned, is a direct connection to the brain. So that's kind of the the eye in basically three parts: the front part of the eye, middle part of the eye, and back of the eye. Very well done in such little amount of time. Um, and I've been taking apart the eyeball as, as you're talking about this. Uh, so as it pertains to these various uh, components of the eye and the eye anatomy, give us a little bit of a lowdown on some of the more common diseases, especially uh, those related to aging. Sure. Yeah. I, I think the, the easiest way to break it down is you take, take it by you know the, the portion of the eye that is affected 
there's very, very common diseases that are, that are occurring, especially with, with age-related changes. So if we look at the front part of the eye or the cornea, or even more specifically, the tear film of the eye, um, this can lead to a condition called dry eye disease, which is an extremely common disease. Almost everybody you know talks about it, either has it or, or has a friend that has dry eyes. Yep. Um, so it's an important uh, disease to know about because it certainly is responsible for a, a lot of you know patients' issues with you know um, kind of burning, itching, scratchiness, tearing of the eye, redness is really all you know responsible in that front part of the eye called the cornea. And again, dry eye disease is by far and away one of the most common eye diseases that we see. If we go to the middle part of the eye uh, with the lens portion, this is an area that can develop something called a cataract, which is again, extremely, extremely common. If you live long enough, you're gonna get a cataract. Everybody in the, on the planet Earth will get a cataract at, at a certain point in, in age. It develops over time and essentially is a cloudiness of that, of that natural lens that becomes cloudy over time. Um, and that certainly blurs vision, fogs vision um, with age. And then finally, in the retina or the back part of the eye, probably one of the most common uh, diseases of the retina and, and most, most prevalent and, and gets a lot of uh, press is age-related macular degeneration or AMD for short. And there's, there's two kinds. There's the dry kind and the wet kind. The dry kind is the more common kind. Uh, which is just a natural breakdown of the retina in the very center part of the retina, which is the most important for central vision. So this is the vision we use to read, to drive, to see our grandkids, whatever the case may be. And then the wet form is, was, fortunately it's the less common form, but it's the most devastating one that gets, there's bleeding um, under the retina, which, which causes devastating visual loss. However, we do have a treatment for the wet uh, kind of AMD. So that's, that's a really important one to be aware of. Where does, uh, so uh, you mentioned uh, age-related macular degeneration, uh, you mentioned cataracts, dry eye, where does glaucoma fit on this spectrum and how related to aging is that? Sure. Yeah, glaucoma is certainly also a very significant uh, cause of visual loss in, in patients with, uh, as, as, as they age, um, and that affects the optic nerve. So that's the last portion of, of the eye that actually, that eventually goes to the brain. Uh, but the optic nerve uh, in glaucoma gets damaged over time um, for various reasons. Uh, one of them in particular is having uh, increased or elevated um, intraocular pressure. So just like we have blood pressure in our body, uh, we actually have a pressure in our eye that is maintained in, in kind of a homeostasis level. And when that is, you know, can get elevated for various reasons in, in people, um, depending on certain factors, it can actually over time damage that optic nerve. And that's what leads to something called glaucoma. Gotcha. So, so let's discuss, I guess, what I would refer to as some of the eye enemies, things that we want to stay away from to maintain the best possible eye health, and, and especially as it pertains to each of these individual diagnoses. Sure. Yeah. Especially, so we can start with, with dry first. Um, you know, certainly with dry, the, the main uh, symptoms that you see again are um, scratchiness, burning, um, feels like, like a foreign body sensation, like something's in your eye. Um, tearing is very common. So all these kind of factors um, are, are kind of symptoms of dry eye. And what we do is we have treatments, uh, a whole array of treatments actually that help to either um, help to improve the, the, the eye's tear film or to help, you know, place it or increase it. Because if, uh, if you look at the, the actual tear of, of the human eye, um, it's really consists of three things, water, oil, and mucus. So if one of these, these three things are out of whack, that can actually cause that tear to not be a healthy tear. So, I have patients that come in and they say, 
doc, I'm, I'm tearing. I mean, I, why are you telling me to use, you know, things like artificial tears or, right. or lubrications? If I'm tearing, it's because your eye is actually trying to make more tears because your, your tears are not lasting as long as they should. They're not, it's not, they're not as healthy for various reasons. So we try to gear treatments, you know, to help to treat, uh, you know, those things. So for example, if someone's not making enough tears, uh, you know, adding lubrication like artificial tears, uh, for example, would help to lubricate the eye. If the patient has a poor oil component, which is very common with inflammation uh, of the eyelids and so forth, uh, that can be helped with uh, medicated eye drops that can help to reduce inflammation. Um, so things like that, those kind of treatments help to gear towards the actual cause uh, of the dry eye. Gotcha. Now, we'll talk yeah, and, and, and how about things, like, I'm reaching for things, uh, you know, like smoking and, and habits such as, uh, you know, excess alcohol, or, or I suppose those things that ultimately accumulate, uh, you know, in the individual as uh, toxic materials. Is this going to be something that leads or at least in part leads to dry eyes? Absolutely. There's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors that can affect it. I mean, you know, I would say a couple of things are certain diseases can affect it, can affect dry eyes. So something called Sjogren's syndrome, which is, right. which is a condition of dry, dry and dry mouth. So that's an actual medical condition that's associated with dry eye. Second thing I would mention are certain medications. So if you're taking a medication that may be on this list, you know, that um, may actually increase your dry eye. Um, you know, certainly age is also a component. Advancing age uh, can also uh, kind of increase the incidence of dry eye. Um, and, you know, things, environmental things. So things like exposure to smokes, um, allergens, pollen, um, you know, kind of certain types, you know, air that's, that's very humid, you know, so forth. All these things will actually uh, increase your risk of, of dry development. And certainly, and actually I'll add, actually, you know, more, more recently, obviously the last, you know, 10 or 20 years, we're noticing, you know, more of people that are using, you know, watching more TV or yeah. um, uh, iPads, you know, iPhones, things like that. They're not blinking as much. And so during those kind of activities, we're noticing patients are reporting actually an increased incidence of dry eyes. So certainly all these factors and things that you can, adjust in your, your environment can help to reduce the um, problems with dry that we're seeing. So I'm holding up in front of the camera now something uh, called a DHA, uh, docohexanoic uh, acid. Um, uh, this, this is something I've come to learn in my own clinical practice, uh, very, very helpful for dry eyes, especially when I find in patients their omega-3 red blood cell membrane uh, saturation is low. Um, so one of the more primary omega-3 essential fatty acids used for both brain, I affectionately recall, you know, call this uh, brain juice, but as well as the eyes. Is this something that you also, uh, you know, buy into or purport in, in clinical practice is helpful for folks with dry eyes? Yeah, absolutely. I, I certainly believe that, you know, vitamin deficiencies and uh, especially, you know, fatty acids and so forth that are important in, in you know, dry health, I think is, is just is really important. And if, if you're deficient in any of these things, I certainly recommend you know, making sure that you get enough uh, of the proper vitamins, especially, you know, DHA like we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I'm absolutely a believer in, in maintaining, you know, proper nutritional health to really give you your best chance of, you know, minimizing your symptoms from dry. Yeah, for sure. And it, not, not necessarily specific to dry eyes, but some of the others that I've been, you know, uh, come used to recommending. Uh, my clinical practice focuses on natural medicine, functional medicine, so I am not an ophthalmologist, uh, but certainly uh, occasionally deal with uh, folks, um, you know, that are also, among other things, complaining about the status of their eye health. Um, and I've come to learn uh, that the carotenoids uh, are other things to be looking into, as you mentioned, of course, nutritional deficiencies, 
Uh, I believe that, uh, you know, there's a lot to say about uh, beta carotene, brightly colored uh, orange and yellow varietal fruits and vegetables, but certainly those that are not necessarily on everyone's radar when it comes to eye health, lutein, zeaxanthin, azdaxanthin, these are all part of the carotenoid family. Um, and I, and I believe that, uh, determining first, if somebody is low in them and then ultimately giving them some of that back contributes to eye health as well. You mentioned <clears throat> screen exposure. And what I know about that ultimately is this, you know, very intense blue light that we're not as, uh, used to being exposed to as we are, you know, have been exposed to over the last potentially, you know, few, uh, decades, but also, uh, the sun, I mean, UV light, this is something that ultimately contributes to, ARMD, age-related macular degeneration, as well as retinal uh, issues as, as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, certainly uh, uh, blue light uh, blocking filter technology in glasses has been, you know, a more prominent component more recently. And I, I'm, I'm definitely a believer in that. You know, we have some animal studies that show that, um, in, in animal studies, that uh, ex exposure to high levels of blue light uh, can cause retinal um, uh, cell uh, degeneration. So, so certainly in patients that already have a baseline disease like a AMD or age-related macular degeneration, um, they're already kind of at risk for that. So you, know, you certainly, I recommend limiting that blue light exposure because they already have a baseline disease that's already affecting the retina. Um, and, and certainly I, sunglasses, I'm a big component of, you know, UV light is definitely a big risk factor. I mean, so to give you an example, um, if for my AMD patients, I, I, I have very specific, you know, recommendations in regards to um, kind of eye health and, and techniques that they can do. So I talk about the, the big risk factors, the three big risk factors. The first one is age. Now, unless you come here to Florida, you find the fountain of youth, there's nothing we can really do about advancing age. That's, that's one risk factor um, yeah. that we can't change. But the second one um, is genetics. You know, we know there's a genetic component to, to, to AMD. Um, again, it typically can run in families. And again, you can't change who you, you know, who your parents are. So that's something you can't change. But there, there's a the third thing that I do recommend called like an environmental situation where there's environmental risk factors that we, we know about. So smoking, so is a big time risk factor for patients with AMD. I mean, if you're an AMD patient and you're still smoking, you're going to have a high, high likelihood of making your disease much, much worse. So I encourage all my patients to stop smoking. Um, I do recommend uh, the AREDS2 vitamin formulation, which has the things that you're mentioning uh, components to it, which is a very important vitamin formulation that has been shown uh, in large studies that in about 25% of patients with either moderate or advanced dry AMD, they can actually slow the progression down. And again, about 25% of patients. So certainly that's an absolute important component to this. And then I always recommend, you know, good diet, green leafy vegetables, very important for this condition. Um, you know, again, wearing sunglasses, um, moderate, you know, daily exercise is really important. So all of these things are, are really key components to helping to minimize um, disease progression. So these blue blocking glasses in the case of uh, extensive screen time, some of these technologies and uh, integrated into smartphones and so forth have ability to set the uh, light exposure at different uh, levels and different colors. <clears throat> Folks are looking to that. Um, but certainly uh, that advice around... Um, blue blockers, um, I, I, I buy into after obviously a certain amount of time of use of these screens over the course of the day. But what do we look for in sunglasses? That's a, a huge, big question mark for a lot of folks. I mean, you walk into a, you know, a drugstore and, uh, you know, or for that matter, a specialty store. Is there something that we can look at on a pair of sunglasses that we can say definitively, this one's going to protect us better uh, than the other? 
Yeah, usually, you know, when you go, when you go to the store and see the sunglasses, you usually have little stickers on them saying, you know, UV protection or, you know, they'll, they'll actually mention the exact UV and it's my UV or whatever the case may be. So they actually have like stickers on the uh, actual glasses, you know, and again, it doesn't necessarily have to be expensive glasses, but as, as long as it has that sticker, it usually it'll say, you know, UV protection. And um, as long as it has that protective uh, 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 filter through it, uh, you'll be fine. So, and again, most, most sunglasses do, um, but again, they usually actually advertise it on the box or have a little special sticker on the actual lens itself. So look for that, because I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I did hear uh, from an eye specialist, can't remember if they were an ophthalmologist or an optometrist, told me one time, if you don't look for that sticker and they're not UV uh, protecting and they're sunglasses, they may dilate the pupil and actually let even more damaging sun rays into your eyes. Is that true? Well, they're, they're not going to be very helpful to you because certainly they're, they're, they're not UV protecting. They really don't have protection against the sunlight. So I'm not sure what you know, function they're actually providing at that point. Gotcha. So, you know, let's move over to some of the um, topicals that, you know, that we can possibly, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, fake tears, for example, or lubricating the eyes in the sense of dry eye uh, disease. <clears throat> are, there, are there natural remedies? I've got a few lined up here, uh, the Similison variety. I've uh, been using this in clinical practice as well for, for many years. Uh, simple natural ingredients like Eyebright and Sabadilla. Is this something that you would ultimately say has some good uh, efficacy behind it? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm a big proponent also of kind of natural, um, you know, solutions and certainly some of this on brand is it's excellent. I've, been, I've used it in clinical practice as well. Um, and certainly it has nice natural components um, to help to, you know, tree dry you know, allergies, um, you know, uh, you know, redness of the eyes and so forth. They're, they're really, really helpful at, at preventing those things and treating those things very effectively. And actually the, the, the there's actually a new, a newer uh, type of eye drop uh, called Ibesia, which is, uh, just recently released by the same um, you know, comp company, Similson, um, that's a very, very nicely designed artificial tear lubricant um, that has a, a lot of components in there that, that are very, very helpful to maintaining that, that uh, lubrication status. And I, I, it just recently has been released and I've, I use it so far on my patients and have had excellent results. So I highly recommend it uh, for its you know, you know, natural components. It's safe with contacts. It has a preservative-free uh, eye bottle. Um, it's actually been used in um, in Europe for a while too, so a lot, a lot of great results. Um, and a key component is called triolose, which is actually right. um, a bioprotective component to it, which is uh, found in this actually a plant called the Rose of Jericho, which is it can grow in, in very, very uh, dry environments. So if you can imagine, this plant has this component that that gives it its key factor uh, in maintaining as much moisture as possible. So uh, imagine putting that in this eye drop gives it really a, a potent effect. Of, of maintaining lubrication um, on the surface of the eye. Spell that for folks, because they're now hearing all that you've said and they're scrambling to rewind this podcast, uh, you know, uh, for, for the spelling and the sound of that. Where can folks uh, learn more about this? Sure, the, the eye drop is actually called Avizia, uh, so it's I-V-I-Z-I-A. And that component of, 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 that, of that drop is called Trihalose, which is T-R-E-H-A-L-O-S-E. So th those are the key phrases you want to keep in mind. Awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned allergy relief, you know, uh, you know, so I've got the couple of products here in front of me, uh, the dry eye relief and the allergy eye relief, uh, you know, a couple of the ingredients, well, at least one of the ingredients that they share in common, um, you know, is this uh, euphrasia or, or eye bright. 
And, and what I love about this ingredient, <clears throat> so again, works with, for allergies and dries because they have this crossover of symptomatology, as you'd agree, but these natural active ingredients <clears throat> have no, there's no harsh chemicals in there. There's no antihistamines or vasoconstrictors. You can use this as often as you want, and there's no rebound effect. I mean, a lot of, a lot of eye drops are very helpful in the world of you know, conventional pharmacologically designed ophthalmologic eye drops, but they, they, they have a, a term use, and you can't use them as often as you would like to right? Um, whereas these products, you can. That's one thing that I really appreciate. Um, and uh, what, what can happen, by the way, other than this potential rebound effect when you're using too much of some of these more conventionally uh, designed eye drops? Hey, certainly, I mean, the, the one thing to really be aware of when you look at other commercially available eye drops is, is preservatives. Um, there's a preservative called BAK in a lot of drops, which is a preservative that is can, over time, in some people, uh, be sort of toxic to the cornea and, and again, actually increase or make dry worse, if you can, if you can imagine. So you really want to be on the lookout uh, for uh, any sense of preservatives in, in these eye drops because they can actually be uh, over time and in chronic use uh, harmful to some people. So that's why I really encourage my patients, especially to use, if they can, preservative free eye drops. Love it. Do you believe eye exercises might help to put years on our eyes or is that bogus? So I, I mean, I don't have any side of evidence to say that's going to be helpful. It depends on, you know, which actually I'm talking about. I, I mean, I, I think there's still a lot of research that needs to be done in that, in that area. So I really don't have any recommendations uh, one way or another on, on that particular field. I know it's, it's kind of a, becoming a more a popular field or, or there's a lot of buzz around it, but I don't have any evidence to say it, it works or doesn't work or yeah, so let's do let's debunk that for now. I did hear you have her mention, um, you know, staring at screens and blinking less. Um, there's a pretty popular recommendation uh, that's called a or referred to anyways as a 202020 rule, the computer eye rule. Uh, so every 20 minutes, taking 20 seconds uh, to break and focus your eyes on something at least 20 feet away. Any science behind that one? Actually, yeah. So 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 that's actually an interesting point. So I know they've done studies. Um, especially in Asia, where they had, you know, children basically, you know, that were um, you know, sort of indoors a lot, reading a lot, uh, and they're seeing high, high rates of myopia or near, nearsightedness. And they would actually at some point force them to go outside or look at the horizon, look out, look out far, and kind of at least break that sort of, um, you know, sort of stretch of, of up-close work and stretch it out with, with distance vision. And, and that does actually really uh, prevent um, you know, progression of, of nearsightedness or myopia. So I absolutely, that, that's, that's, I mean, that's been scientifically shown. Um, so that, that's actually important, especially in the younger years, you really want to make sure, especially those that have kids or listening, um, you really want to make sure your, your kids get adequate uh, outdoor time, uh, you know, try to, try to minimize or, you know, kind of at least, at least minimize the amount of screen time, um, iPad use, iPhone use, if, if you can, try to get your kids outside, let them look out, you know, use their distance vision, because that, yeah, that's actually absolutely been shown to be a helpful in prevention of that. And this particular exercise has something to do with the muscles uh, that's ultimately involved in the iris that's basically involved in opening and dilating and then closing, constricting the pupil, correct? Yeah, so we're not really sure the exact, the exact mechanism of how that works, but, but certainly, I think especially in children, because their visual uh, system is still being developed, uh, certainly there's just some plasticity there that allows that uh, adjustment and ability to to adjust to different conditions 
Gotcha. Makes sense. So, you know, as we're wrapping up here, um, I know you're on the cutting edge, um, you know, of a lot in ophthalmology. What are some of the newer technologies that excite you that help to determine um, eye health or maybe even diagnose specific eye diseases? Yeah, I mean, you know, cer certainly there, there's so much now going into, in, into, into eye care. I mean, especially in the retina space. I mean, we have you know, a number of new treatments available, uh, new, new devices, new machines. Uh, it's just really, really incredible. and really an honor for me to be, be a part of that. Um, I'd say, you know, kind of things that come to mind are, you know, new, more durable treatments for uh, things like wet AMD, which are, have come out, um, you know, better injections, like uh, there's medication called Vibismo, which is, again, a potentially 16-week injection uh, treatment that, that, you know, patients uh, can benefit from, from a durability standpoint. Um, there's also potentially uh, some medications being looked at uh, for the treatment of dry AMD. So we don't have any current treatments available for dry AMD or what we call geographic atrophy or GA for short. And there's uh, actually uh, two now, one is actually uh, being looked at now by the FDA for possible approval in the near future. So that'll be a big, big time, big step um, in the treatment of that disease. And then certainly we have, you know, new gene therapies being, being looked at. Um, and also new, new diagnostics. So uh, there's uh, a company called uh, No Tall Vision that makes a device called the 4C Home Device, which is actually a monitoring system uh, at, in the home for patients with dry AMD and, and is able to monitor them to ever, you know, if they ever have a conversion to the wet form of AMD, it actually alerts the physician about that. So it's a great uh, at-home technology using artificial intelligence and telemedicine. And they're actually coming out with a potentially other device that can actually scan the retina at someone's home uh, wow. and, and give uh, the doctor information about a patient's retinal anatomy uh, from, their, from their house. So, so really, really incredible stuff going on um, and, and just it's really exciting for me and an honor for me to be um, in the field of ophthalmology uh, and retina and, and eye care. It's just, it's just so, so wonderful to see um, all, this, all the effort and all the resources uh, you know, going into the, to advancing our field uh, for the future. If only more, uh, you know, GPs, um, you know, family physicians would take that extra moment to look inside the eye. The retina tells so much. I have two stories. Um, you know, we do a physical examination on indication. Uh, so suspect for prediabetes metabolic syndrome. Uh, this is over a 20 plus year clinical uh, practice. Uh, but I caught two cotton wooling uh, situations on the back of um, pre-diabetic, diabetic eyes. Uh, this individual had no clue. Uh, so this, of course, as you know, but for listeners, looks kind of like cotton balls, you know, white sclerosis and stuff happening at the back of the retina. So sent them off to a specialist and lo and behold, they infected and were, were on their way to diabetes. But just looking at the back of the eye can tell so much about your health and how well you're aging. You mind joining me as we go out on this uh, for a quick rapid fire true or false to, to sort of do a conclusion summary? Sure, sure. All right. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask the question. You're going to answer. All right. As fast as possible. Reading in dim light can hurt your eyes. True or false? Mm, I would say somewhat, somewhat false. And eating, was there, is there a qualification to that? Anything you would say? I mean, are we hurting our eyes if we're reading, you know, by dim light or, you know, I mean, folks uh, in, 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 in the old days reading by candlelight, was this hurting them or causing their eyes to, to age faster? Not necessarily, it's just a lot more eye strain. So it's just right. uncomfortable, I think. Gotcha. Eating uh, orange colored and green veggies is good for our eyes. True. 
Blue blockers work to prevent damaging blue light from your cell phone and computer. True. Eye exams are only for old people. False. <laughs> and certain eye exercises may reverse or improve near or farsightedness. I'd say undecided, unknown. <laughs> more research needed. Okay, amazing. Uh, and again, just before we go, you know, tell us a little bit more about the uh, Mali Enterprises. You're wearing the T-shirt for folks joining in, uh, in on uh, YouTube here. Um, what is this all about? And uh, what, what can people learn more about by going to MaliEnterprises.org? Yeah, thanks, Bryce. You know, so I, I sort of pride myself on being a, a, a not only just a, a clinician, but also an entrepreneur. Um, I, I try to develop ideas that I see in clinic and uh, I actually had an idea one day in clinic when I was, um, you know, examining patients. I noticed that you know, patients with glasses, when you know you're at the slow microscope, if you've ever been in an ophthalmologist's office, you know, you come in, you sit down in an exam chair. There's a microscope that we use to look at uh, your eyes with to get a closer look. And I noticed that patients with glasses, you know, they they would take off their glasses, you know, for the for the exam, and they had nowhere to put them. Right? right. You know, they put them in their pocket. They get crushed, you know, in the exam, or they would drop them on the ground, or they would put, you know, there's just nowhere to put them. And so I, I had an idea. It's like, why not put a uh, eyeglass holder, mecha, you know, device on the side of the slit lamp, so that way patients could just put their glasses there. And uh, it was a big hit. You know, I actually um, started manufacturing. My, I, I got a lot of positive feedback from my patients, so I said, hey, this might be a good idea. And uh, I actually, you know, manufactured myself, you know, right here in the USA, and and uh, started selling. I have a website, www.malianterprises.org. Uh, and I sell them on our website. I actually entered a competition. It's sort of like a shark tank for, for uh, eye care. And I actually got honorable mention for, for my products. So it gave me like validation that this is, hey, this is a pretty good idea. Um, so yeah, so I sell my website. And so I, I realized as I, you know, I went around the country giving, giving um, talks to patients uh, at, for, uh, uh, for patient seminars uh, for the Mac Generation Association, which I'm the med medical director for. And what I was realizing was that uh, patients really like this idea and they're actually using it at their home. They're putting on their, their nightstands, they're putting it in their, in their workshops. Um, so yeah, because it can, it's pretty versatile. You can put it on any side of any table. You I was just, just uh, about to say, there. this goes well beyond the ophthalmologist's office or optometrist's office. This goes into, you know, the side of the teacher's desk, uh, corporate offices, home offices, um, you know, you, you name it, wherever there's a desk and you're wearing a, some eyeglasses, this seems to make perfect sense. Good on you. Good for you. For more information about Dr. Mali, you can visit uh, www.malienterprises.org and listen in on his podcast, Eye Care Insider with Dr. Joshua Mali. As well, join in on the Retina Project at ophthalmology360.com. Thank you so much for joining Wild on Health, Seeking Health Span, Doc. Thanks, Bryce. It's a pleasure being here. Pleasure having you on and enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks, you too.